Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. Listen, whether it's your first time or you're planning to revisit all your favorites, follow the Bill Simmons podcast, the interviews on Spotify right now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes... You know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Let's roll, baby. It is a Sunday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. I am currently in the beach house of the great Reese and Corinne from Ocean City, New Jersey. After a weekend at Borgata, perfect way to enjoy the last Sunday of the first half. I'm at the beach. I got a four-mile run-in. I got John and Sue on the Bluetooth speaker. Then I got the Mets going. I mean, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. You know what was even better? The Yankees wiping the floor with the Red Sox Saturday and Sunday. And let me tell you something. Every Yankee fan was in my life Friday. Sounding the alarm. I I, I wish I could rehash and reread some of the text messages that I was getting from the Yankee fan. Good buddies of mine. Smart baseball people losing their mind because the Yankees had a couple of bad games against the Reds and they had a game where they couldn't get a run in against the Red Sox and couldn't hit. It happens. The team is a gazillion games over 500. I always love to be the guy that sounds the alarm. That's my nature. That's what I do. It's the nature of my being. But even I had a 
kind of step away and say, calm down, everybody. Just calm down. And sure enough, what happened on Saturday and what happened on Sunday, the Yankees obliterated the Red Sox. I think Matt Carpenter just hit another home run. I mean, they pounded Pavetta. Pounded him on Saturday night. And I had the Red Sox fan. I mean, the, the Simmons of the world, the, the Brian Patricks of the world, uh, these knuckleheads are telling me that Pavetta's good. He stinks. I mean, if you think Nick Pavetta is getting big outs in big situations, uh, good luck. Good luck. Uh, the Red Sox, who basically have not beaten an AL East team in a series in the entire first half of this year, I, I think got a nice slice of humble pie. I hope the Red Sox enjoyed their World Series last weekend at Fenway Park. I hope they enjoyed it because the Yankees, they sent a message. After Friday, enough is enough. Judge Carpenter on Saturday. Tyon terrific on Saturday. And I actually felt bad for Chris Sale with his, with his finger. I mean, I actually did. I, I legitimately felt bad for the guy because he's worked his ass off to try to get back. He's clearly not the guy he was in like 2016 or 2017. He's not that feared pitcher. I don't think he'll ever get back to a point where he's like, you know, a top-notch, top-five guy in the American League. But for him to get knocked out in the first inning there, tough to watch. Then you got LaCastro hitting home runs. They bring Gallo off the bench. He hits a home run. Carpenter's clearing the bases. They pounded the Red Sox bullpen today. Absolutely pounded them every which way. And you know what was more encouraging than that? The fact that Garrett Cole stepped up and performed the way that he did against the Red Sox, but more specifically, the way Garrett Cole performed against Rafael Devers. He made him dance. He sent a message in the first inning, and it was not Clemens Piazza circa 2000 where he's throwing at his head. He threw low at the ankles, but it was clearly to make him dance a little bit. With Garrett Cole saying, you know what? I'm sick of you kicking my ass. You're going to be uncomfortable at the plate. I didn't like that. I fucking love that. That's what you should be doing when you're a big-time pitcher with a presence and with a command. Enough is enough. I absolutely love that from Garrett Cole. That's, that's money stuff right there. And he solved the riddle of Devers. He made one mistake in a game. He's striking out over double digits. And I know Yankee fans have their complaints with Cole. And I know Cole... It's all about what he's going to do in the postseason. We're well aware of that. 2020 was very good. 2021, he did not do the job against the Red Sox. But he's had a tremendous first half. He deserves to be an all-star. When it's all said and done, he's going to be top three or top five in the Cy Young voting. He has delivered what you want from a Yankee perspective. It is about, though, those big innings and those big opportunities come October. And look, here we are. It is the middle of July. The Home Run Derby is tomorrow. The All-Star Game is Tuesday. And the New York Yankees are 64 and 28. They are 13 games up on the Rays. And they are 16 and a half up on the Boston Red Sox. And let's be perfectly frank. I had the Yankees as a playoff team. I thought the Yankees would win north of 90 games. I thought they were better positioned than what they were a year ago. but. I didn't see this coming. Who saw this coming from a Yankee perspective? Did anybody in their right mind think the Yankees be 13 games up in this division where every team has a record of 500 or better? No chance. No chance. They've answered. 
every test. They've passed every challenge. They've been a joy to watch. They were miserable to watch first half of last year. Go back and listen to the podcast a year ago and see how miserable we were from a Yankee perspective. And this was a nice way to go into the All-Star break. After Friday, to respond with two routes, the way that they did against the Red Sox, after what happened Saturday, Sunday in Boston, after what happened against the Reds, that's the sign of the 2022 team being a flat-out different vibe. The Yankees in 2022 are a different vibe, and that's a good thing. That's a real good thing. Now, the Mets go into the break feeling great about taking three out of four, feeling great about what happened in the Atlanta series. The two games yesterday, outrageous in extra innings to go and win those games. The J.D. Davis, remarkable scoop. Diaz working out of trouble, then winning the nightcap and finding a way again to go and win in extra innings. Like, this signs, again, you know, we talk about the signs from a Yankee perspective of all of like the special attributes and all of the special intangibles that you've seen from their first half. Well, you've seen that from a Mets perspective too. You know, normally you don't win games like that. You just don't. With a guy who has no business playing first base, scooping a ball and ending up winning a game. Or then turning a game-ending double play in the second game. And Escobar, who hadn't done anything at all, coming through the way he's able to come through. Saturday was feel good. Sunday, look, you didn't swing the bats. And the bullpen let you down. And I can't even kill Smith. He wasn't terrible in the bottom half of the eighth inning. It's not like he was giving up bombs and his stuff was absolutely atrocious. But it does speak volumes to the need for the Mets. And I know Adovino got some big outs on Saturday. whoop the freaking do you're not going to trust Adovino in an eighth inning situation. I'm sorry. You tell me right now, Dodger Stadium, Adam Adovino's on the mound, and you have a one-run lead. Are you feeling good? Of course you're not feeling good. So the Mets need to go and get bullpen arms. I know some people are going to look at today and say, well, the Mets need a bat. They might need a bat. Their designated hitter spot is not good enough. I don't want to see Dominic Smith. I don't want to see J.D. Davis. I think the Mets can do better. And I fully expect that they will do better. And look, We know the needs for the Yankees and the Mets. They're obvious. We're going to have Michael Kay on a little bit. We'll talk about the Yankee needs, obviously, from their perspective. But the name that's going to be out there, and I don't think he's going to get traded come the middle of summer. I just don't. I think this is a move that ends up happening down the road, maybe in the offseason. Maybe it's next year because he's still under team control for a couple more years. You want to talk about somebody you move heaven and earth to go get. And you, you 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 basically take everything in your farm system and you say, yeah, I'm going to get this guy. It's Juan Soto. If Juan Soto is available to either of the New York teams, you, you don't think twice. He's a generational talent. He's super young. The guy's an absolute stud. He's hitting the playoffs. He, he'd be a rock star. He's got an unbelievable personality. He's such a likable kid. He's got flair. He's got swagger. I can't even begin to describe how outrageous it would be to land Juan Soto. They offered him a ton of money. And what does that tell you? I think Juan Soto wants to win. And I don't think Juan Soto sees a path for the Washington Nationals winning over the next couple of years. So those rumors are going to be out there. 
And I know Twitter was lighting up. I know my eyes lit up when I saw, wow, he's turning down $400-plus million. And we thought Aaron Judge was bold for turning down $200-plus million. You got to have big cojones in order to do that, man. I mean, I'm never going to be offered $400 million in my life to do anything. So, you know, I'm not exactly the guy to compare. You know what I'm saying? Maybe we'll have to ask Uncle Bill about that one. Maybe. But Juan Soto available. Let the... Could you imagine the sweepstakes? Could you imagine if the two teams that have the best chance to get them are the Yankees and the Mets? Damn. So, there's a lot to chew on here. This is a fun weekend of baseball, and the British Open was fantastic. I mean, there's nothing better than waking up in the morning. I had way too many mojitos yesterday uh, on the craps table and had an unbelievable dinner in Atlantic City. The mojitos were flowing. They were really good. I was sick of beer, so I was like, you know what the mojitos will do? Getting up a little hungover, watching Cam Smith work his magic. That's not an instance of Rory McIlroy choking, in my opinion. This British Open is all about what Cam Smith was able to do with the birdie streak and some of the unbelievable shots that he made, the putting, which was top-notch and exemplary down the stretch. He flat-out hooked the British Open from Rory McIlroy. And I think everybody thought it was going to be the Rory story and it was going to be the Rory moment on that course in that historic venue, not to be. Cam Smith and Beningo, to his credit, has been telling me for months, this guy is going to win a major. Well, sure enough, it was his time. And he completes the golf calendar with a major. And, you know, as it's the all-star break, and as I'm sitting down, looking out at the beach from Ocean City, New Jersey, it dawns on me that we're like two weeks away from training camp. Like, this summer, this baseball season has flown for the first three and a half months. I mean, we're going to be snapping our fingers. I'm going to have a hoodie on. I'm going to have shorts on. I'm going to be watching two of Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones. Get me to football! But you know what? As excited as I may be about the football season on the horizon, we got two of the best baseball teams in the sport. And the idea of a deep October with the Yankees and the Mets you can fantasize about that, too. It's a warm summer day. Think about a little October chill in the air. Think about this. How about a vision? How about this to dream about over the next few days? Late afternoon, a game at City Field. 8 o'clock at night, a game at Yankee Stadium. Is, is that sexy or is that sexy? Let's freaking go. All right, fun show. We'll have some voicemails coming up in a little bit. Larry's got trivia, which I'm excited for. We'll see if I can uh, find a way not to make a total ass out of myself. But when we come back, he was nice enough to join us right after the game, driving back before he takes a few days off. The television voice of the New York Yankees, Michael Kay, is up next. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class, leading passenger space, and clean, thoughtful design, and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Fabulous Sunday for the New York Yankees. Another series win, 13-2 over the Boston Red Sox. That's how you close out the first half of the year. We welcome in the television voice of the New York Yankees, the host of the Michael K Show, a man of many talents. Michael, Mr. Buddy, how you doing? I'm doing great, JJ. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing A-OK after the Yankees just absolutely wiped the floor with the Red Sox over the last two days. 
Michael, this has been a dream first half. There have been a lot of feel-good moments. I, I think it's fair to say this was an appropriate end to the first half. Well, I think the last two games, you know, obviously when you have a lead like they have, there's nothing that's a must win. But after they lost that game on Friday, which was a ridiculous game to lose, they had three different ways to win it. It seemed like neither team wanted it. I think that they responded in the way that they had to respond. You know, they beat them up yesterday, uh, 14 to one, and uh, they do the same thing today, 13 to two. And I think they, they had to show themselves that, oh, okay, this isn't going to get out of hand after last, you know, they lost the last two of the four game set in Boston, then improbably lost two out of three to the Reds. So they didn't need to go into the, the second half of the season thinking those thoughts. And I think that uh, on the flip side, now the Red Sox have to think about things because that's, that's a sobering two games that they just had. So it, I thought those are two big wins for the Yanks. No doubt about it. And Michael, you've been around the Yankees forever. You go back to Shane Spencer. You've seen some of these guys come out of nowhere. Then all of a sudden they put the pinstripes on and they got that pixie dust basically attached to them. Carpenter, what he's doing right now is off the freaking rails. He's got the mustache like Mattingly. He's rocking the eye black like Mattingly. And, and Michael, let's be honest, he's hitting like Mattingly in 84 and 85. Like, you've seen these phenoms come out of nowhere, whether it's the minor leagues or it's the guy the Yankees pick off the scrap heap. What compares to this, in your opinion? Well, you know, I asked Aaron Boone that before the game today, and, and the only thing that he could even come close to was Kevin Moss, who had an amazing, um, you know, start to his Yankee career. I believe it was in 1990. But Kevin Moss was just a kid. This this guy's career was pretty much done. I mean, he he was he went on this nomadic quest to find the swing again. And I don't think there's any comparison to this. Nothing. I mean, they've acquired guys that have, you know, Jose Trevino has had you know a pretty magical start, but nothing like this. This this has surprised everybody, including the Yankees and. It does tell you one thing that I think that everybody should consider. We all think that everybody who's in front offices, they're the smartest of the smart, the best and the brightest. 29 teams said no thanks to this guy. 29 teams. Now, there were two other teams that offered him minor league deals, two. I think it was the Red Sox and the Rays. He said no. The only team that offered him a major league contract was the New York Yankees. You can't tell me that no one could have used Matt Carpenter. I think now if they knew what he would have become, Everybody could have used him, but there's nothing to compare this to, JJ. This is this is just an amazing like Disney story. You're gonna see this on Disney Plus. And I said this during the game. You can make the argument that if Major League Baseball was smart, they'd find a place on the all-star team for him because you want good stories. You want stories that tell the story of what baseball baseball could be. This guy has had a magical all-star first half of the year, and he's done it in a month and a half. It's crazy to think about. And, you know, Michael, I've been screaming about an outfielder for this team over the last couple of weeks. And Gallo has been an absolute nightmare. I know Hicks has come alive here over the last few games and over the last few weeks. But I didn't really consider in, like, early June the idea that Matt Carpenter could be getting legitimate burnout in the outfield. And I know he's not a great right fielder. We saw that in the Cincinnati game a couple of days ago. But, Michael, I'm going to deal with it, man. I mean, if I'm going to get this sort of offensive production from Matt Carpenter and I can keep a guy like Castro as the perfect caddy to go and play defense in the final few innings, I feel like if you're Aaron Boone, you got to keep finding creative ways to get this guy burned and get him at bats. you got to play him, for goodness sakes. You do have to play him, but that, that game against Cincinnati, it, it, it worried me. And it doesn't worry me about him getting the ball. It worries me about him throwing the ball. He didn't seem like he had 
anywhere close to a to an outfielder's arm. So uh, when you get into big games in the postseason, uh, you 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 want you want just twenty seven outs that you give up, not twenty nine, and th- that's a concern. But I think as of now, with the big lead, you run them out there, and what you have to cross your fingers and hope is that Stanton could play a lot of games in the outfield because then that opens up the D eight spot. Uh, for Matt Carpenter. But in terms of making him an everyday outfielder, I still agree with you. I think they probably have to get an outfielder, although that's not their top priority. But if they can, that would be great. And uh, obviously, I think they need another starting pitcher. Michael, you came on this show, I remember it vividly, right before the Yankee-Red Sox uh, September series, where Stanton put on a show, the Yankees swept Boston. And I remember you vividly saying, I can't remember a year like 2021. It was so chaotic. It was so up and down. I think I've said it on the podcast a few times. It was the most unenjoyable 90-plus win season. I know that's going to sound spoiled and entitled coming from a Yankee fan, but it was not like a a real feel-good year. It just wasn't. There was a lot of sloppy baseball. There were a lot of brutal losses. There were a lot of games they flushed right down the toilet. And this year has been a polar opposite of that. They have been so much fun to watch. They're doing the little things. They're playing good defense. They're running the bases. They're making things happen. It's a, it, it just feels different around this Yankee team. I thought they were going to be better with the moves they made in the offseason. Rizzo coming back, prioritizing defense. But when was the moment for you, Michael, doing these games, game in and game out, where you said, wow, this 2022 team feels a lot different than the team I called every game for last year. It was um, it was kind of a slow burn, a slow build before I said, wow, this is really, really good. Uh, but last year, I think you described it perfectly. It was a slog. It wasn't fun. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was drudgery. And, you know, they had to keep uh, plugging and play, plug and play just to find some solutions. And they lost a lot of tough games. But this year, what makes this year different is they win a lot of those games. And that worries me a little bit because I, I don't know if you could keep up that kind of pace to have these kind of magical victories. But all the walk-off wins, they kind of make you believe it almost you know, brings it back to 2009 with the pies and all that. But uh, this, is, this is just an overall good team. But I think it's taken everybody by surprise. And if you think about it, I, I said at the beginning of the year, I picked the Blue Jays to win the East. So, you know, what do I know? So they've already, you know, they've already changed managers. But this Yankee team, I think, has exceeded even the Yankees' expectations. They thought they were going to be good. They didn't think that they'd be on pace to win, you know, 108 games or anything like that. But um, the way it's happened is that they put themselves in a situation where they don't have to make changes and trades at the deadline out of desperation. And now you have the luxury of doing what you need to do and just polishing it up and making sure it shines for the postseason. Last year, I think every Yankee fan, as, as devout a Yankee fan as you could be, you didn't really think they were going to win the World Series. They just, they didn't have enough. This team, I think, has enough, and they're ready to add as well. They've got a stout farm system, so if they want to make the dramatic move, they could do it. If they want to go out and get Luis Castillo, they can do that as well. So they've got all the things in place to actually take that big step. Well, Michael, I think they got to be all in. You know, this is a team that's been knocking at the door the last couple of years. 2019, they were close. They didn't have the ace. They go and get Garrett Cole. 2020 is a COVID year. Last year wasn't right. Um, I think they got to be all in if the piece is the right piece. You mentioned outfield not being the number one need for this team. Is it a top flight starting pitcher to put behind Garrett Cole? Yeah, because I think 
I think that, you know, reality has to slap you in the face a little bit. These guys are pitching innings they've never pitched before. And I, I think we saw the effect that it had on Severino. And, and I'm worried about the effect that it's going to have on, uh, on Nesta Cortez. These are innings that he's never pitched before. And the deeper into the season that he pitches, these are going to be innings he's never pitched before at a level that he's never pitched before. So that, that worries me a little bit as well. Tyone looks like he has had a little bit of a, a wall that he's run through, although he pitched very well on Saturday. Um, you know, Montgomery's good, but I, I don't know if Montgomery's going to start a make or break game in the postseason. I'd like to have that big time guy behind Cole. And uh, obviously, it's still available because the Reds have to trade Castillo. But I don't say at any cost at all, John, because are you giving up Anthony Volpe for him? I mean, if the Reds GM say it's got to be Volpe, I'm going to say no. Because I look at IKF and he's been a nice stopgap for this year. He's not your long-term answer at shortstop. It's going to be either Volpe or, or Peraza. So if I'm the Yankees, and I think I, I have to look and say, all right, who's the guy I want to move forward with? Is it Volpe? Is it Peraza? Or is it Sweeney? And the ones that it's not, I think it's going to be Volpe. Then I, I would consider trading the other ones because you can't play three shortstops at once. Totally get that. You know they're going to prioritize one of those shortstops because they have to. They didn't go and sign a big shortstop last year in the wintertime. IKF, you nailed it. He's a stopgap. I think eventually he's probably a utility guy. And maybe outside of that, you know, then you think about, all right, who's that big pitcher? Who's the guy to go get? And Castillo was unbelievable in that audition the other night. You know, Michael, there are certain guys who, to me, are born to be Yankees. I don't know if you get this sense. You probably do because I know you absolutely love him as a player. Anthony Rizzo is just born to be a Yankee. And I know a lot of people were talking Freddie Freeman in the offseason. A lot of people were talking Matt Olson in the offseason. I think one of the more underrated moves for this team is bringing him back. He's perfect between Judge and Stanton. He's a winner. And let's be honest, Michael, this team doesn't have a lot of guys that have won a World Series in that clubhouse. I think Rizzo being there has really been just like so beneficial on so many different fronts. And maybe this is because you had to watch Luke Voigt play first base. You know, good guy, just not a first baseman. Having a lefty who could pick it at first base, too. I mean, Rizzo's got to be one of the most valuable Yankees in the first half of the year. He absolutely is. And one thing that you didn't say, which I think is a gigantic aspect in this, he is one of the leaders in the clubhouse. You know, everybody, you know, just automatically assumes Judge. And Judge is definitely one of the leaders in the clubhouse. But Anthony Rizzo, it's kind of a different thing. And even Judge looks up to Rizzo. And I, I thought that Rizzo made one of the great moves of, of this season. And it, and it flew under the radar. Uh, Clay Holmes had that awful outing against the Reds. And then he came in the next game and was about to have another awful outing. And who runs to the mound in an instant? Anthony Rizzo. He calms people down. He knows exactly what to say. He's been there. He's done that. He's got the ring. Most of them don't. I think that he has been invaluable. What he's done in the field, obviously important. What he's done at the plate, obviously important. But just the leadership that he exhibits, they love him. That team in that room loves him. He has a lot of pull, a lot of sway, and he's really, really close with Judge as well. So I couldn't agree with you more. He's a big, big part of what the Yankees are doing. Michael, I know your son is a big-time Aaron Judge fan. You've mentioned this quite a bit. Aaron Judge doesn't get the contract done with the Yankees, as we know. He's betting on himself here in this regular season. He's had the best first half he's ever had as a Yankee. I know 2017, he's hitting all the home runs. It's a more complete first half. He's getting every big hit. He's delivering in every moment for this team. You're around him every day. Are you surprised at all that the contract and 
the pressure of trying to deliver in a walk year hasn't gotten to him one iota. Because, I mean, just watching him, just seeing his demeanor and his body language, Michael, he seems like the same guy he was in 2016 and 2017. Is that accurate? It is accurate. And I can't say uh, that I'm not surprised. I have to be brutally honest with you. Um, any human being with that much at stake would seem like they would have their knees buckle a little bit. And he has it. If anything, he's thrived. He's thrived. Okay, I'm going to bet on myself, and here we go. And I, I guess the way he looked at it, there's never been any doubt about his talent. He's an incredibly talented guy. The only doubt is whether or not he could stay healthy. And he bet on his health because he knew, hey, if I'm healthy, I'm going to put up huge numbers. And he has. And it does show you that in the big moment, he's not going to wilt because there's no bigger moment personally than playing for your future. And that's exactly what he's doing. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what plays out. Uh, at, at the end of the season. I, I still think there's a chance. I really do. Because he said this to David Cohn in an interview uh, before a Sunday night baseball game. He's still open to talking. Now, he had never said that before. So if they can talk with him, maybe they can come to a number. But now he's, he's you know, what is he, 60-some-odd games away from becoming a free agent? So I'm sure the offer the Yankees make has to be pretty significant for him to give up the chance that 29 other teams start to bid on him. But uh, he's putting himself in prime position for a huge contract just by the season he had and, and the fact that he bet on himself. Michael, obviously, if the Yankees are going to win a World Series, a bunch of different guys are going to have to step up. But is there one individual that you're thinking about that you look at when it comes to this team and, and you say, if the Yankees are going to win a World Series, this guy has to be great. Is there one that you look at as maybe an X factor? Well, I'm a fan of this guy, and a lot of Yankee fans don't seem like they are a fan of this guy. I, I think the world of Garrett Cole. The Yankees are so lucky to have this guy. There are a few guys that are like him, and Yankee fans are going to say, oh, but what has he done in the postseason? Well, you know what? In his first postseason with the Yankees, he was money. He was great. Now, you can make any excuse you want that maybe he was hurt last year against the Red Sox. If this guy goes out and he wins every game that he pitches or gives them a legitimate shot to win every game that he pitches in the postseason, I could, I think they win it all. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to put on him. Obviously, teams have to score runs, but he's their ace. He's going to start game one, going to start on short rest. He's going to have to be that guy, and I think he can be that guy. He's tough. He's maniacal about his preparation. You know, I talked to him for about 25 minutes on Friday. 25 minutes, JJ, and he broke down. This is He brought it up himself. He broke down every single home run that he's given up to Devers. This guy is nights about, how am I going to get out this guy? And you know what he did today? He overpowered him. This guy wants to be great. He's got the stuff to be great. And if he is himself and he's healthy, I think he's going to be great in the postseason and lead them to great things. Michael, not for nothing, I love the little brush back there in the first inning too. Clean, at the feet, but I thought it was a message. Hey, guess what? Get off the damn plate. I got to get you out. I love that. Totally, totally a message. That wasn't by accident. He didn't lose control of the pitch. This guy has unerring control. When he misses, he misses by an inch. So I think he did it the right way. Didn't throw at his neck, didn't throw at his head, didn't throw at his back. He threw right above the knees and it made him get out of the way. And, um, you know, when he when he was down on the dirt, he just turned and stared out at, at, at Cole because he knew that he knew what it was. And by that one pitch, Cole then commanded and owned the outside corner. That was by design and he was throwing 100 miles an hour 
on the outside corner. And even Paul O'Neill mentioned this during the broadcast. Because of that first pitch, it seemed like Devers was saying, okay, they're going to pitch me inside. And he kept opening up and opening up. And by opening up on every pitch, he couldn't reach the outside corner. So that was definitely diabolical. And I thought it was a great move by him. Michael, I watched the first five episodes of the Jeter documentary. Of course, you were prominently featured. It's fabulous. It brings me back to my childhood. I loved every minute of those teams. Um, have you had an opportunity to watch the documentary yet? I, I obviously do not have your connections, JJ, because I have not seen a second of it. I look forward to watching the home run derby. Wow. So you've not seen it, Michael? Wow. I got a leg up on Michael. That's probably the only time in Yankee land I'm going to get a leg up on Michael K. So I'm going to take that and we'll run with it. But, Michael, you know, living through and talking in that documentary, obviously there's so many moments, there's so many memories. Is there one when you were, like, breaking down Jeter where it really gave you goosebumps, one in particular? Uh, you know what? I mean, my automatic answer, it's it's two games, JJ. Uh, the 3,000 hit game, you know, he admitted it after the game, but there was an awful lot of pressure on him to get it done at Yankee Stadium because if he didn't, they had a long road trip after that. And then he gets five hits and the game-winning hit, the 3,000 hit was a home run. That's Derek. And then in his last game at Yankee Stadium, that was just, uh, it was it was a fairy tale. Like, even I said in the call, you know, it's where fantasy becomes reality. This guy's whole life has been a fantasy. For every single young boy that dreams about being a baseball player, this guy dreamed about being a baseball player for the Yankees, and he did it. He won five championships. And there was no moment too big for him. And uh, obviously, uh, he did everything right. You know, single guy in New York City, he could have done a lot of things wrong and really didn't represent the Yankees in the right way. But he was he was amazing. And, and when, he, when he made the Hall of Fame, we had him on my radio show, and I simply said, thank you for letting me piggyback on your career because for some reason, JJ, although I shared the mic with John Sterling for 10 years, every big moment, it seemed like I was on the mic for Jeter. And it's just, it was, it's the thrill of a lifetime that as long as there's going to be baseball and people are going to be into this stuff, back on it, I consider it an unbelievable honor. It's crazy to think about. You had the foot play and you had missed in November, not too shabby. Final one, is your co-host okay? I know you missed the festivities from a couple of days ago. Michael, when, when Don needs to fire up the old fastball there, Don can fire up that fastball. That was tremendous theater, my man. He he is he's he's doing well. And I actually did work on Friday, you know, to set up the Yankee Red Sox series. And you know, I, I gave him some grief. I said, I guess none of this would have happened. Um, he, I had nothing to do with any of it. And like he, I didn't mean that, but he was angry. And one thing that people always ask me, well, is that fake? That's not fake. He's out of his mind. And when he snaps, he snaps. I mean, that's real. That is really, really him. So. It was great radio, and it was one of those things. I've never seen something like that get the kind of traction it got simply because of the fact Deadspin wrote about it. Um, Barstool wrote about it. Everybody who writes about um, our, our industry wrote about it, that it was a brilliant piece of radio, and it was because, you know, in the dog days of summer in July, there's not much to talk about. He commanded the microphone, and he made people talk about himself and talk about the show. So he's fine, but, like, it's funny uh, – I told the story on the air. So a mutual friend called up who's kind of a big person in the business on air. And he said to me, "Is are you worried about Don? I said, why would I be worried about Don? He said, well, obviously he has an anger issue and there's a hair trigger temper. I mean, something could happen. I mean, he could hurt somebody. I said, that's, I, he's been like this his whole life. He never killed anybody. So 
I'm not worried about Don. That's that's what makes Don great. That's what makes Don the star that he is. But again, he doesn't do it for fake. That that's something set him off where when the guy said, you know, you would be nothing without Michael K. That I think got into Don's gut and really bothered him. So what you heard was real. Michael K, enjoy a couple of days off. Looking forward to the second half and uh hopefully a very busy August, September, and dare I say October for you, all right, my man? It should be fun. I'll tell you that. Thanks, JJ. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it, buddy. You got it. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Michael K, always a pleasure. And you know, it's amazing. I had never chatted with Michael because I worked at a competing radio station. So like we never, we never really chatted with one another. And, you know, we always, you know, had a conversation going, you know, he always wished me well. He was always very gracious and classy. Uh, my parents got sick with COVID. He reached out. Like he's a really, really good dude. So I, I always love breaking some bread with Michael talking to some Yankee baseball. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. And that's pretty wild that even though he was splitting the games with John Sterling, he was missed the November call. He had flip play call. And speaking of that Jeter documentary, I know a lot of you guys and gals are waiting for it Monday. I've already seen the first couple. I'm glad I got Kate beat on that. I mean, he definitely has access. Whatever. I just, I happen to watch all five of them. There's two more I got to watch. It's fantastic. Here's what we're doing on New York, New York. We have special episodes that will be dropping after every episode. So it's like your post-game show to the Jeter doc. The great Jacko and I are going to do a pod. So after you watch Jeter documentary, come to the New York, New York feed. We'll have a pod up. We're going to have some surprises. We're going to have a couple of former teammates of Derek Jeter's. We're going to have a ton of fun with this. We got some awards we're giving out. So if you are all in on the captain, the Randy Wilkins brilliant documentary that he put together on the first ballot Hall of Famer, you want to check out New York, New York for our post-game episode. So there's a little shameless plug. Voicemail time. Let's get to it. 917-382-1151. Let's show the first half of the season. Steph, let's hear him, baby. JJ, Anthony, Syosset. Uh, you know, listen, what can you say? about the first half of the 2022 baseball season for the Yankees. The defense, you know, I saw a lot of uh, ICF uh, uh, analytic passing. He's been fine. I mean, when he is masked, it is masked. It, it is what it is. The catching, you know, up the middle, what Judge has done by playing center field and opening up the rest of the outfield in the lineup. You know, the weekend that Carpenter has and how good is it to close out the first half with just an absolute drubbing of the Red Sox. You know, Aaron Hicks, of all people, breaking Chris Sale's finger on a comeback. I mean, incredible first half. But listen, that's all it was, the first half. There's a second half to go. There's a home field battle with the Astros. And again, 
Good weekend for Cortez. Good end of the week for Cortez. Good performance yesterday from Tyone. But you got a little taste of what things are like if those two fall off the map. I saw all I needed to see from Luis Castillo uh, in the Bronx the other night. This team needs help in the rotation. Another arm in the bullpen couldn't hurt. I heard I know Britt's coming at the end of the year. But again, incredible. As good as it's going to get first half, I won't watch a second of the All-Star game or the Home Run Derby. I couldn't give a shit. Carpenter is God. And uh, when am I seeing you and Stu Fine are in the Bronx? Let's go to a game together. God bless. Whoa, you want to talk about a triple threat at Yankee Stadium. Syosset, Stu, and Jastrzemski. I think we may have to make that happen at some point, Syosset. And it seems like you're in on Castillo. I understand why. You heard Kay say it, though. They have to hold on to one of those shortstops. They didn't sign Seager. They didn't sign Correa. They look at, I think, Volpe as the local kid, as the first-round pick, as the guy that's going to be the next guy at that position for the Yankees. So outside of that, I'm willing to talk trade with Castillo. I'm willing to do it. And I think the Yankees have to have that sort of aggressive mentality. And, yeah, I'm putting that number one on the list, even over an outfielder. Because, listen, Gallo's got to go. DFA is asked, whoop de doo at a home run today. Just put him out of his misery. Somebody sent me the uh, the Goodfellas, Tommy scene. Basically, you know, Gallo beat Aaron Boone and Yankee Brass at some point over the next few weeks, right before Tommy gets whacked. I'm not rooting for Joey Gallo to get whacked. I just want him whacked from the roster. You know what I'm saying? Nobody needs to watch Joey Gallo hit in August and September. Um, a big picture is what I'm fantasizing about. And I think it should be the priority for the Yankees. It's been a dream first half. I love whooping the Red Sox the way that they did. And I love Cole getting the Devers. About damn time. About damn time. Who's next? Well, what's up, JJ? Charlie from Elmhurst. Currently just left Yankee Stadium. And after an infuriating loss on Friday night, the Yankees put up a well, two blowout win against the Boston Red Sox. Hey, this was a rough week, kind of going into the series. But hey, take two against the Red Sox, going to the All-Star Bay, very good. And one first on Cole. That's what I'm talking about, Cole. Pitch, bust his ass in, Devers. That's, that's good shit. It, it sets up great tone against him, and that's what Roger Clemens did against Mike Piazza after getting owned by it. Let's hope Cole against Devers turns, changes, the tide changes after that and for the rest of the career, his career against Devers and I mean, uh, great, great job by Cole, great job by Cole and on this team this team is, yeah they have the best record in baseball and everything, but this team is far from perfect far from perfect, this is a great imperfect, incomplete team that yeah, this, there are some holes in this team there's some holes, definitely. You gotta get an outfield help. Gotta get an outfield help with us. I don't care if it's Benintendi is on back. Get him in. And don't get hoodwinked by any of y'all that Gallo hit that disgusting, meaningless two run home run. Don't, don't get hoodwinked by that. And definitely with Severino, uh, no throwing for two weeks, basically he's gonna have to be out for a month. Definitely, um, I agree with you. Look at the starting pitcher in the trade market. And definitely, if Loisica doesn't like, you know, Train himself up. Definitely, you got to look into bullpen help, man. All right, man. JJ, take care. And yeah, keep it going, boy. Keep it going, boys. You and Stefan, great job. 
Appreciate you, Charlie. I'm glad you fired up after that win Sunday. And I think the Yankee fan will calm down now uh, after Friday. Those are two drubbings they absolutely gave the Boston Red Sox. And like I said, I hope the Red Sox enjoyed their World Series last Saturday and last Sunday at Fenway Park. I mean, a Red Sox fan last Saturday on Twitter was an absolute embarrassment. I mean, and I get it. The Yankees got to beat the Red Sox when it matters. But but the idea that the Red Sox were pumping their chest the way they were pumping their chest after one win and where they are at in the standings was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. So I wanted to address that. And we're so on the same page with Garrett Cole. But when we're talking trade deadline, I'm telling you, the need now for the big-time starting pitcher, I think it supersedes outfield. And I think it supersedes bullpen help. Got to get Wiseka figured out. And I don't think you can count on Chapman for anything. I mean, after what I saw from Chapman the other night, he can't get Bobby Dahlbeck out. Chapman, I, I don't want him near any big game at all from a Yankee perspective. Don't want him near the mound. All right, last but not least, let's hear his stuff. Hey, JJ, Sean at the Beach House in Belmar. Wanted to call about the Knicks and Donovan Mitchell. Wanted to call about the Yankees and who we should get at the trade line. But then I see... The betting line favorite for the MVP in the American League is Shohei freaking Otani. If we get to the end of this season and Judge gets robbed of the MVP by this gimmicky SOB on his garbage team in their garbage stadium out in freaking Anaheim, they've got to change the award. If Judge hits 50 or 60 home runs and the Yankees are challenging the all-time wins record, you can't just give the MVP to Otani because, ooh, he pitches and hits, yay! And his team is 30 games under 500. Stop comparing him to Babe Ruth because Babe Ruth was a winner. Babe Ruth won World Series, and the team he left didn't win one for a century. Don't compare it to last year because last year there was no other dominant team in the AL. The Rays were the only team to win 100 games. And Vladdy Jr. was the runner-up who plays a non-premium defensive position. Uh, Judges is going to crush his numbers offensively, and he's playing center field. It's Judges' MVP to lose if he goes into some sort of tailspin. Um, but if they're putting up the similar numbers that they put up in the first half, and Otani gets the MVP over Judge, it is highway robbery, and they need to change the award. That's all. Have a good one, JJ. Be well. Bye. Well, I appreciate the call, number one. I'm glad you're enjoying the beach. I mean, the beach, Jersey Shore, come July and August, there's just nothing like it. I haven't been down here in a year, so, like, it gives me the vibes. You're in Belmore. I'm in Ocean City, New Jersey right now. It's just, like, it's tremendous. It, next year, I think I got to get a house here for a week and just do the shows out of here for a week. I know Mac and Andy's doing that on vacation. My buddy from SNY got the whole family down here. Very smart. Very, very smart. Um, I got to take you to task, though. Calling Otani gimmicky is insulting. Otani is insane. Okay? We've never seen anything like this in our lifetime. The way he can pitch at a high level, hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Guy is a freak. Okay? I say that, though. Giving him all the praise and giving him all the love and also acknowledging the fact that he cannot win the MVP for the second straight year on a team that is absolute dog shit. Okay? He can't. If he didn't win the award last year, maybe I'm talking differently. He is going to be on a 74 or a 75 win team that basically didn't win a game from the middle of May until the end of June. You can't be the MVP if that's the case. I'm sorry. Can't. You want to be the most outstanding player? Great. Nobody can match what Otani is doing. 
It is impossible to do. MVP? No. To hell with that. And I'm not just saying this because Aaron Judge is on my baseball team and is playing out of his mind in his first half and has bet on himself. If the Yankees go and win 110 games and Aaron Judge continues to hit the way that he hit in the first half of the year, he's the MVP. And I hope that the voters understand that and they get it right. But we got a long way to go. Like, first half MVP, I wouldn't think twice. It's Judge over Otani. Last year, Otani winning the award? Sure. You gave him an MVP. You honored the achievement. Back to back, though, you got to take the winning somewhat into account. I'm going to give an MVP to another, same guy on a terrible team back to back years. I don't like it. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. All right. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to regather. I'm very animated today. I can tell. I think the beach has brought out, you know, the best and the worst and all of the above in me. NAC and, you know, the run. Thank God. Otherwise, I'd be fighting a massive hangover today. Although, I got to say, the mojitos, no hangover. For whatever the reason, no hangover, which is a miracle for me because I can't throw them down like I used to. Anyway, trivia is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Trivia time. Larry, you embarrassed me last week. I'm back for more. I'm ready for you. At least I like to think I'm ready for you. So the floor is yours, sir. JJ, Larry in Florida. Here's a couple. Judge. Rizzo and Stanton all hit 20 homers in their first 80 games. Who's the last trio to do that? You know, who's the, who's the last trio to hit 80 homers? I mean, 20 homers in their first 80 games before the Yankees guys did. Who's the last team? And the second question is, who's the last guy to play all nine innings of the All-Star game? I'm out. Those are two brutal, brutal, brutal questions. The last guy to play nine innings in the All-Star game, and then the last trio of guys to go 20 homers in 80 games. Oh, my goodness. Larry. I thought Larry actually would be civil and would take it easy on me, for goodness sakes. Yikes. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take like two guesses on, on the All-Star Game one. I have no idea. I mean, it's got to be a hometown guy, like somebody to play in a hometown stadium. And it's got to be a long, long time ago because now they take everybody out of the All-Star Game. And they've basically been taking everybody out of the All-Star Game for as long as I've been watching the All-Star Game. Like nobody plays nine innings in the All-Star Game anymore. It just doesn't happen. You know, maybe one or two instances of like the – um. You know, when a home field advantage was on the line, maybe one or two ended up, you know, playing nine that I just can't think of that I can't remember. But I don't even know where I'm going with this. Stefan, I'm taking two guesses, and then you could give me a hint. Is Barry Bonds the correct answer? I didn't think so. All right, my next one. Is Cal Ripken Jr. a correct answer? 
All right. You can give me the year. Do you have the year, Stefan, or no? This one is a double hint right here for you, Jay. Both of these answers happen in the same year. So answer one and answer two, this happened in the same exact year. All right. What was the year? The year was 2006. 2006. Okay. The 2006 All-Star Game was where? 2007, it was in San Francisco. 2006, it was in Pittsburgh. It was in Pittsburgh. Hmm. I think I know the trio, Stefan. Not positive about this, but I think I know the trio. Is it David Wright, Carlos Delgado, and Carlos Beltran for the Mets? Ah, uh, I actually felt good about that answer. But wait, so- Jay, before you get to the trio, are you yes. going to try to take a guess at the guy who was who played all nine innings? I am, and I don't feel great about it. Is it Jason Bay? American League or National League All-Star, Stefan? National League All-Star. Was he a Pittsburgh Pirate? He was not a Pittsburgh Pirate. He's not a Pirate. 06 All-Star game, played all nine innings. What team did he play for? Does that give it away? Absolutely, that gives it away. I, that would, I, if you want the answer, I can give you the answer. But no, I can't tell I'm you gonna, I'm going to ta- take one more guess, and then I'm giving up. Uh, Chipper Jones. Mm. Who was it? Carlos Beltran. Beltran. Okay, so Beltran played all nine innings in that game. Okay, I would not have known that. Yeah, the, the Met hint, I mean, I would have had a couple of guesses at it, but Beltran played all nine innings in that game. Okay. So now you're telling me 2006, a trio of teammates with 20-plus home runs, 80 games in. American or National League team, Stefan? American League. Okay. So that means my Met answer was clearly out. Was the team the Chicago White Sox? It was. Okay. I, I I think I might know it now. Is it Jim Tomei? That's one. Uh, two, Paul Konerko. And three, I'm not positive about three. Is it Jermaine Dye? Wow. See, I'm, I need a little help with that one. But I, I, I'm pretty impressed. Not going to lie that I was able to pull that one off. So, Larry, sometimes I need a little guidance with this stuff because you never know where I can end up. But I'm proud of that achievement. All right. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, you got as limited a card, dude, as you have had, uh, I don't even know, since I can't even say last year's All-Star game because you had the NBA Finals at that point. So, limited card. I hope you're betting the All-Star game, Jeff Money, and the Derby. So, what do you got? Up, JJ. Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. We're up to All-Star Week. It's going to be from Monday the 18th and Tuesday the 19th. Coming off the, uh, going to the All-Star Week. Coming off a very good, uh, Major League Baseball week of picking. So as far as, uh, clock plays for the home run derby on Monday the 18th, I got to go back with Pete Alonso getting two to one with him. So plus 200. And Juan Soto, I'm going to take a shot probably with him. You're getting six to one. He's 
also played in the All-Star uh, home run any contest before. He did really good. So we're going to go with him. All right. And as far as Tuesday on the 19th, I'm going to go with the National League is minus the 115. Okay. Everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Money, I understand why you're riding Pete Alonzo. And look, it's tough to bet against Alonzo in the home run derby. But this year, you got to pay for it. Last year, he actually was not the first favorite because you had Otani in the competition. Houston and I are going to be doing a home run derby draft. You want to check that out on Ringer Gambling. Alonzo plus 185. Schwaber's at 300. Soto Acuna at 650. I don't see value in Alonzo at plus 185. I just don't. Um, and if you're thinking about a guy to pick, Soto and Seager. Remember, Seager played in that stadium for a long time as a Los Angeles Dodger. Soto and Seager as long shots at 650 and 950. Those are two names I have my eye on. And listen, I bet the American League and the All-Star Game every year. And I'm seeing that the American League is an underdog. Oh, sign me up. Let's go. American League all day, every day. One of the best bets you can make in sports. Fabulous show. Hope everybody enjoys their All-Star break. Remember, tomorrow, separate episode for the Jeter Doc. We're going to have one each and every episode. Jacko and I, plus a former teammate of Derek Jeter's. You're going to like this. I mean, if you love the Yankees and the 90s Yankees, this Jeter Doc is right up your alley, and all postgame shows are going to be off the freaking rails. Great job by Stefan. Great job by all of you. First half has been absolutely off the rails and so much fun here in New York, New York. You too. Time flies. Enjoy. We'll chat tomorrow, and then we'll chat on Thursday. Be good, everybody.